we are gathering on the traditional territory of indigenous people. Here in Seattle, we are on the unceded land of the Duwamish tribe. We affirm that settlers have specific responsibilities in the journey of reconciliation with indigenous people. As a congregation, we contribute real rent to the Duwamish tribe and many of our households are also contributors of real rent. We give thanks to the creator and to the people who have stewarded this land for generations upon generations. We are grateful for the opportunity to live and work and worship here. As we witness to the reconciling movement of the spirit and we seek to live in right relationship with our indigenous neighbors and with all of creation. Today, we begin, as I said, the journey of Lent. For this time of Lent, for these weeks of Lent, we'll be hearing stories of repentance, rejoicing, and repair. We'll hear stories that Jesus tells. We'll hear stories of encounters that Jesus has with followers and with friends. And in each case, one or all of these themes appear, the invitation to repentance, to turn away from that which separates us from the love of God and from the love of our neighbor, rejoicing in praise or in joyful celebration and repair where there has been harm or rebuilding or comfort where there is brokenness. In the tradition of introspection and reflection during this time of Lent, we'll also have a time for confession each Sunday and be able to receive the assurance of God's love and grace in all the ways that we turn away and are welcomed back. And finally, this Lent marks an anniversary for us as a congregation. We had only met one time during Lent of 2020. One Sunday of Lent before we began worshiping in this way. And so this is our, basically in, in liturgical year at least, this is the last Sunday of the year, of a year since we've been worshiping and um, worshiping remotely with each other. To me, at least, uh, that brings both a grief of knowing how long we've been apart from each other and participating in church from a distance. and. Also, I have a sense of comfort that knowing that we've remained community, that we, in fact, have claimed Sunday after Sunday that the Holy Spirit continues to connect us as community and that we have been claiming this time not just as something to endure, but as an experience that binds us together. Um, we'll continue to name that as we worship together in this way instead of together. And we're going to begin our worship in song with Melanie and John. God is here among us, come with adoration, fervent praise and expectation. God is here within us, known beyond believing, solemn, silent, all-receiving. God will name and will claim those beheld as lowly, making all things holy. Come abide within me, let my soul like Mary be thine earthly sanctuary. Come in dwelling spirit with 
transfigured splendor, love and honor will I render. Where I go, near below, let me bow before thee, know thee and adore thee. Gladly we surrender earth's deceitful treasures, Pride of life and sinful pleasures. God, we gladly offer thine to be forever, soul and life and each endeavor. Thou alone shalt be known, Lord of all our being, thy true I just have to name what a pleasure it is to sing alto along with uh, such beautiful soprano and bass harmony. So, so good. Thank you. <clears throat> as we leave, as we continue with our call to worship, Pastor Megan will speak your response. You are welcome to speak along with her. The words appear in your chat. <clears throat> if you are delighted to be here, and if you are tired or troubled. You are welcome. If your faith is strong and if your faith is battered and frail. You are welcome. If you are eager to praise God and if you need to be quiet. You are welcome. God welcomes us all to worship today and promises to meet us here. God of every place, some of us see you today from mountains of joy and confidence, mountains of gratitude and praise. Some of us seek you today from valleys of grief or doubt, valleys of loss or exhaustion, and in all places, there you are with us, nudging us onward. When we descend from the heights, show us your presence on the ground. When we rise from the depths, show us the light of your way. Meet us all on the path made by Jesus. Amen. As we light our peace candle this week and every week, we acknowledge that we both witness to and participate in God's vision of a just peace for all of creation. Today, I pray in gratitude and in celebration. Uh, this week, after, I have to check, after over three years in sanctuary at Columbus Mennonite Church, Edith Espinal was able to leave and join her family. She and so many other folks who have been living in sanctuary, uh, to escape deportation, have been able to leave those places this week uh, since uh, Biden has <clears throat> allowed for non-dangerous criminals, which so, 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 so many, all of folks uh, seeking to stay in this country are. We pray with gratitude for those who are able to rejoin their families and continue to pray for 
for them to have a place of safety here in this country and that a, a way might be way, made for them. And together we pray. We long for a just peace. We pray for a just peace. We choose to live for a just peace. May the peace of Christ be with each one of you. And also with you. For our children's time today, we're going to hear what's actually a retelling of this scripture that we'll hear just a minute. So you can listen for which story that is. I think y'all, you'll begin to understand. I, I lost, we lost the cover of this one. It's, get, it's been read a lot in my household. So the dust jacket got left behind somewhere, but it is called, Who is My Neighbor? And it's written by Amy Jill Levine and Sandy Eisenberg Sasso. And um, Amy Jill Levine, whom I think Megan is going to talk about a little bit later, is a Jewish, a Jesus scholar and Sandy Eisenberg Sasso is also a Jewish author of children's literature. So today we're going to hear about the blues and the yellows. Once there was a town where blues lived. They were navy and indigo, aqua and sapphire, powder blue and midnight blue. They planted irises and forget-me-nots, and feasted on blueberries and blue cheese. They sailed on blue waters. Blue jays perched on branches and brilliant blue cracker butterflies shimmered. The blues thought they were the coolest colors. The yellows lived in a different town. They were gold and bronze, lemon and mustard, canary and pale yellow. They planted sunflowers and daffodils and feasted on bananas and butterscotch pudding. They traveled on yellow brick roads. Goldfinches perched on branches and busy yellow jackets buzzed. The yellows thought they were the hottest colors. The blues and the yellows did not like one another very much. Be careful of the yellows. We are better than they are. They are not our neighbors. They warned their children not to go near each other. Be careful of the blues. They are not our neighbors. We are better than they are. For years, the blues said there was no such thing as a good yellow. And yellow said there was no such thing as a good blue. One day, Midnight Blue put on his best blue helmet and got on his blue bike. He loved cruising under the blue sky, passing by tranquil blue lakes, singing a bluegrass tune. Then out of the blue, someone passed so close by to Midnight Blue that he lost his balance. Bump, thump, Midnight Blue tumbled to the ground. His knees started to turn black and blue. Midnight Blue needed help. Along came Navy. Navy will help me. Midnight Blue thought, but Navy was afraid. She wondered, maybe someone made Midnight Blue fall and maybe that person is still around. So Navy pretended not to notice Midnight Blue. Midnight Blue was surprised after all. Why hadn't Navy Blue stopped to help? 
After all, Navy was his neighbor. Along came Powder Blue. Powder Blue will help me, Midnight Blue thought. But Powder Blue wondered, did Midnight Blue get in a fight? Is the other person still around? He was afraid, so he pretended not to notice Midnight Blue. Midnight Blue was surprised. Why hadn't Powder Blue stopped? After all, Powder Blue was his neighbor. Neither Midnight Blue, or neither Navy nor Powder Blue is true blue. Along came Lemon. Oh no, a yellow, thought Midnight Blue. A yellow will only make things worse. Maybe this yellow will steal all my books. But Midnight Blue wasn't the only one who was scared. Lemon worried about helping a blue. What if that blue wanted to trick her? What if that blue jumped up and took her bike? Maybe she should just hurry by. But Lemon didn't hurry by. She decided to help. She didn't steal his books. She picked them up. She lifted Midnight Blue from the dirt, handed him his helmet, and helped him get on the back of her bike. Then she took him to her doctor. While they waited, Lemon gave Midnight Blue a butterscotch cookie. It was broken, but still delicious. Midnight Blue said, you're a good yellow, not like the others. Most yellows are good, Lemon said. So are most blues, Midnight said, and he smiled. He pulled out a small bag of blueberries and gave some to Lemon. They were a little squished, but still yummy. When Dr. Gold came out, Midnight Blue was still a bit frightened. Dr. Gold was another yellow. Dr. Gold smiled at him. She shined a light into his eyes, checked to make sure that nothing was broken, and put a bandage on each knee. Midnight Blue turned to Lemon and said, Thank you for helping me. I would like to be your friend. Lemon nodded. Of course, a good friend. When Midnight Blue returned to his town, he told all the blues what had happened. It was not at all what they expected to hear. He said, Lemon did not pass by. Lemon did not look the other way. Lemon helped. And Dr. Gold did too. The blues thought, Blues do not look like us or eat the same foods, but maybe yellows can be our friends. When Lemon returned to her town, she told all of the yellows what had happened. It was not what they expected to hear. She said, Midnight Blue wasn't mean at all. He was thankful. He shared his blueberries, so sweet. From now on, we are going to be friends. The yellows thought, the blues do not know our songs or grow our plants, but maybe we can help the blues and the blues can help us. From that time on, the blues and the yellows began to say, maybe we don't have to look alike or live nearby. Perhaps we will like hearing new songs and tasting new foods. We might like making new friends. Maybe we can help one another. Maybe, said Midnight Blue. Lemon smiled. Maybe, just maybe. So, Macaulay is going to be reading our scripture for today. And you can listen to Macaulay's story 
for similarities to what we just heard about the blues and the yellows. Luke 10, 25-42 Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by a chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he mo was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, half having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out to Denarii, giving them to the innkeeper, and saying, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the rabbi's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came in and asked, why do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the rabbi answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried by and distracted by many things. There is the need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Thanks be to Uh, as I said at the beginning, we are going to have a time of confession in each time of worship. And Megan will respond. You're welcome to respond with her. Um, the words are simply forgive us. So I don't think they need to appear in the chat. Forgive us. So here these words are joined in these words of confession and then receive assurance. God, whose arms are always open and welcome, we turn to you in repentance. 
when we have turned away from our neighbor. Forgive us. When assumptions and stereotypes have blinded us to the truth. Forgive us. When we have failed to attend to your word. Forgive us. Repair what has been broken in us and with your help, may we seek to repair the brokenness that we caused. And now receive these words of assurance. The God who gathers you close in her sheltering care rejoices in our homecoming. Receive the assurance and joy of God's constant love. The love of which we will sing along with Joanne's playing. have preached a fair number of sermons on the parable of the Samaritan that many call good and a fair number of sermons on Mary and Martha receiving Jesus into their home. I don't think I have ever preached a sermon on the two of them at once. So thank you Narrative Lectionary for once again giving us a longer passage 
and shaking things up in sort of a new way. The two of these stories together um, in our text for this week caused me to look at them a little bit differently, <clears throat> to wonder, to wonder about the natural flow from one into the other, to wonder about potential themes or bridges or threads uh, that might connect these two stories that I haven't ever really thought of together, even though they do, of course, appear right next to one another in Luke's gospel. <clears throat> and the theme, the thread that I found was um, tasks and plans. What we do as humans when we make plans for ourselves and task lists. I mean, you're talking to someone who loves a checklist. See how I make little check boxes? It's, it's a real joy for me. I always make the box because checking the box off, that's, that's what gives me joy. So I do check boxes. Tasks and plans and the tension in those tasks and plans with the interruptions of life. The interruptions, the opportunities to be responsive to a new moment or to a new person. I think it's noteworthy in Mary and Martha's story that Jesus does not criticize Martha on her many tasks. He doesn't even comment on her going about her many tasks until she comes to Jesus and tries to get him on her side. She raises the issue and criticizes Mary and tries to get Jesus to tell Mary what she should be doing differently. And it's only then that Jesus comments. So I think that's interesting. The other thing that I noticed because of this thread of the tasks and the interruptions to the tasks, the plans and the opportunities to be responsive in a moment, I noticed that the text tells us a couple of times, not just that Martha had tasks, but that she was distracted by them. And when Jesus talks to her, he says, I can see that you are worried and distracted. And boy, that's something that I know. Um, that's something that I know in my own life and in my own experience, um, not just the tasks of hospitality, of attending to the things that need to be done, but the anxiety that can build and the distraction and the <gasps> that can happen in my body and in my spirit that can block me from, from being present. I know that. I know that it at times shackles me in ways preventing me from being able to receive and experience abundance or presence. Well, the next, which is actually the story before, is the parable of the Samaritan that many call good. And it's precipitated by a lawyer who's testing Jesus. So not just, the text tells us he's not just coming in good faith, but he's come to test Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life is the test 
that the lawyer puts before Jesus. And Jesus says, well, what's written in the law? What do you read there? And the lawyer responds with the two great commandments. So here again, Jesus doesn't even answer the question. But Jesus says, you've given the right answer. So do this and you will live. I think it's notable here that he doesn't say you will inherit eternal life. Do this and you will live. You will live now and abundantly. But the story doesn't end there. And again, uh, we, get, we get the narrator telling us what's happening in the thoughts of the character. So the lawyer who's come to test Jesus now wants to justify himself, the text tells us, and says, and who is my neighbor? And the real question here that's embedded in who, who is my neighbor is who is not my neighbor? Who, who, who am I let off the hook for? Jesus replies then with the parable. And again in this parable, the thread that I have seen since I'm looking at it in conversation with the Mary and Martha story, the thread in this parable is that tension with the tasks and the plans of life and an opportunity that presents itself to set those tasks and plans aside. We have first the Levite and the priest, each of who in whom encounter this man who's been robbed and stripped naked by robbers. They are, at least in my estimation, the most identifiable characters in this story. <laughs> at least they're certainly the ones that I most identify with. They just don't have the time to deal with this. They're on their way somewhere, I, who knows where, doing who knows what, but they've got a plan, they're on their way, and oh my goodness, I just don't have time. I don't have time or energy to deal with this thing. I think I'm just going to cross the other side of the road and pretend I didn't see it. How many times have I done that in my life? <clears throat> and I don't think it just comes from a callous place necessarily. Sometimes the plans that we have, the tasks that we have set before us are very good plans. They are very good tasks. The plans that we have for our time and our money may be very good. And if I spend it here, my time and my money and my energy, then I'm not going to have it to spend there because there's sort of a limited amount of time and a limited amount of money and a limited amount of energy. So there's tough calls. There's just tough calls all the way through. In Jesus's story, the Levite and the priest pass by, they make the tough call to carry on with their plans, whatever those may be. And it's the third passerby, it's the Samaritan the Samaritan who, for the listeners, the original listeners of Jesus's parable, um, for whom he would have been an enemy, the Samaritan was an enemy, and that's a whole other sermon for another time. But it's the Samaritan, it's that third passerby who stops, who stops to be present to the human before him, who stops to be responsive and whatever plans he 
had for his time and for the money that he's about to pay for this person's well-being and for his energy, all the plans that he had, that he may have had, he set aside in order to step fully into the moment and to offer mercy. So Jesus wraps up this story and asks the lawyer who came to justify to test him and then to justify himself. He asked the lawyer again, which of these three do you think was a neighbor? The lawyer responds, the one who showed him mercy. Amy mentioned that her children's time was written, children's time book was written by Amy Jill Levine, a Jewish New Testament scholar. And she uh, wrote an article, she's written a, a fair bit about this story, um, but in one article that I referenced this week, she drew my attention to um, an explanation from Martin Luther King Jr. about this parable of the Samaritan that many call good. Martin Luther King Jr. apparently preached, I'm going to tell you what my imagination tells me. It's possible these men were afraid. And so the first question that the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But then the Good Samaritan came by and he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? King went on, if I do not stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to them? And King then went to Memphis and it was there that he was assassinated. An interesting flip of the question. If I stop to help that person, what's gonna to happen to me and to my plans and to, oh, ah. If I don't stop to help that person, what's gonna to happen to them? I want to reiterate at this point that the task lists, the task lists that I live and die by, my goodness, I left this calendar in the office twice in the last two weeks. And the first time I did it, I asked Lee, can you please take a photo? Because Lee was at the office. Can you take a photo of my page? Because I'm lost without it. And can you text that photo to me? And then would you be willing to drive it? to my house when you're coming home from work. And she did, thank you, Lee. Um, the second time I was going into another meeting and I sent John with instructions and he too had to take a photo of the page and send it to me. So let there be no doubt, I believe in tasks and plans. <laughs> tasks and plans, even if mostly good, are in a constant state of tension in our lives with presence and responsiveness to the humans before us. The commitments even that we have made previously, commitments of our time, commitments of our money, commitments of our energies, things that we have earmarked, 
all of that can be very, very, very good. And it, it can cause us to get so caught up in a security or a scarcity mindset that we need to control and to plan and to not ever be dissuaded by an opportunity to step away from it. There is nothing wrong with my checklists. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with our checklists, with our previous commitments, with our plans that have been well thought out. But what I'm seeing in the, the thread in these two stories from Jesus, what I'm seeing is the plan can't be the whole thing. It can't be the only thing so that we are never able to have our plans thwarted to have our checklists chucked, or at least set aside for a moment. Can't be the only thing so that we can't have our commitments even, previously made commitments realigned because we have encountered a new human, a new opportunity, a new something that calls us in another direction. It's often said, if you want to hear God laugh, make a plan. Yeah. <laughs> the plans just, they aren't necessarily bad. Many times they're very, very good. They're just limited. They are just limited because as I see in the threads of these two stories, a life of faith is not a strategic plan. A life of faith is much messier than that. It is somehow living in the tensions of the plans, the very good plans that we have made for our time and our money and our energies and the opportunities, the humans that present themselves to us. Who is the neighbor, Jesus asks. The one who showed mercy. Go and do likewise.
let us continue in a spirit of prayer. God, we have so few ways to pray, but you have so many ways to answer. Keep us alert to your unpredictable answers, to your unexplained surprises. And by your grace, make us one of those surprises. Who taught us the surprises of moving mountains, healing touches, wondrous stories, great banquets, first suppers, broken bread, crosses, and resurrections. To you, O oh God, we bring the uncertainty of our prayers. In you, we hope to be surprised. Today, we hold Carl Westfall in your loving care as he mourns the loss of Devon this past week. In this time of holy sorrow, we pray that Carl will be strengthened by community and by your constant presence with him. Carl offers prayers of gratitude for each prayer, card, contact, and kindness given to them by God's people over the past four years and now. Carl also brings prayers of profound gratitude for the comfort, peace, intimacy, and light given to them by the Holy Spirit in the long goodbye. Oh God, we pray with longing and some measure of frustration at the continued delay by county officials around the opening of the Oak Shelter. We would ask that this process would be sped along for all who are so in need of a place to safely rest, to get the job done and the permits realized. We give thanks for the resilience and adaptability of staff who are preparing to welcome guests and have been redeployed to numerous other tasks of readiness and getting ready to welcome folks from the community. Turning now to the prayers that are in our chat box shared from the community. Praying with Ruth for everyone who has COVID-19, those who care for them and those who suffer from the lingering effects of the disease. Thinking of all of those who have also been impacted by climate strangeness and weirdness and patterns of snow and ice and freezing, as people sort of dig themselves out from a horrendous week of cold and waterless living, we pray for leaders to take note and make the changes that are needed to keep people safe. Prayers um, with Zach for his grandfather, 
He was in a rehab facility with no visitors allowed after a fall at home for that isolation and in that time and space. We, um, we pray for his wellness and his recovery. Praying with Anna Elena with thankfulness for Magnus's successful surgery yesterday after a morning that was touch and go. Surgery that had his vagus nerve stimulator replaced. Again, prayers with Zach for a friend in hospital in DC with COVID complications, which include a blood clot in his lung. Prayers with Jennifer for healing for her uncle Larry, who's back in the hospital with pneumonia, and his wife Sue for her endurance as he heals. Praying with Greg for those continuing to suffer in Texas without power and heat and water, especially thinking of the elderly and the disabled and those imprisoned. And who are extra vulnerable. With Rex and Lene celebrating in prayer for the growth of children, such as Helen Hope, who's learning to roll over with Jean, prayers of protection for Data's mom, Jan, that we don't have to move her from our care at home. May the home care be what is needed to sustain connection and community. Prayers with Lee for her dad and so many others stuck at home and bored during cold weather and pandemic related restrictions. With Pastor Megan, prayers for her spirit sister, Melanie, who co-wrote a piece for CNN with Jennifer Harvey regarding black history, marking and white families, who's already receiving hate mail in response, oh God. God of surprises and of stories, God of healing and nourishment. We thank you for your presence with us, even when we don't quite know how to be present with you. Continue to be with us in our praying and our living. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Seeing also prayers from Jean for her mom. We continue in a spirit of prayer now with gratitude for all of the gifts that each of you bring to this congregation of your presence, of your time, of your money. And we are grateful also for the means to collect those offerings digitally. Our closing song for our worship this morning is Heart with Loving Heart United. And again, Melanie and Jonathan, Jonathan are going to sing with us. Heart with loving heart united, meant to know God's holy will. 
Let this love in us ignited more and more our spirits fill. He the head, we are his members, we reflect the light he is. He the master, we disciples, he is ours and we are his. May we also love each other and all selfish claims deny, so that each one for the other will not hesitate to die. Even so, our Lord has loved us, for our lives he gave his life. Still he grieves and still he suffers for our selfishness and strife. Since, O oh Lord, you have demanded that our lives your love should show, so we wait to be commanded forth into your world to go. Kindle in us love's compassion so that everyone may see in our fellowship the promise of our new humanity. Receive this benediction. May our God, who welcomes our turning in repentance, the Spirit who rejoices in our return, and Christ, through whom all things are restored and repaired, bless our going out, that we may bless all of creation. Amen. <laughs>